game. I've snuck into my brother's house early Friday morning. I broke in here. It's like Fort Knox. It's just me and the parrot in the background. But I want to share with you the second part of our series today about the different names, the different aspects of Jesus. The one who I trust you are passionately in love with as I am. And so we're going to look at the different aspects. Another five from John chapter 1. Turn with me in your Bibles. Let's get stuck straight into it. Picking it up from verse 35 today. The next day, John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples. Notice, friends, these are John the Baptist's disciples. He's discipled with them. He's walked a road with them. You could say they belong to John the Baptist, do they? Let's read on. When John the Baptist saw Jesus approaching, saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, guys, look. Look, there he is. There, that is Jesus. That, that man is the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. They followed Jesus. Friends, we've got to present the gospel of Jesus to people, just like John the Baptist did, so that they don't follow leaders. People mustn't follow leaders. People need to follow Jesus. I was recently reading an article on Twitter about these massive passenger liners that are in the harbor now. One of the harbors is in Orlando, Florida. There must be 10, 15 of these massive hotels on ships. Some of you have been on them for holidays. They take thousands of passengers. They're empty now. They're standing in the harbor. Nowhere to go. But the harbor doesn't own the ships. The ships are free at any stage to leave the harbor and set sail to another harbor. The harbor does not own or control those ships. You know something else? They say that these massive cruise ships can't just stay stuck in the harbor. If the engines aren't turned on, some of those engine parts are going to start deteriorating. They say that the plumbing, if the plumbing on those big ships is not being used Some of those pipes are going to start rusting. I want to say to us, Freedom Church, when that day comes, not if, when that day comes when we get back together in our harbor as a church, whether it's in the hall, whether it's on a field, I don't know where, but it will be a matter of time when we get back together. We cannot focus the attention so much on the harbor. We've got to be talking about going out there now more than ever making a difference for jesus it cannot just be about being safe in the harbor it's got to be about going out there in the stormy seas making a difference out there because jesus needs you and i to fulfill the role as his kids amen Read on. When the two disciples heard John the Baptist say it was Jesus, they followed Jesus. Turning around. Jesus turns around. He sees them following him. He turns around and says to them, what do you want? Incredible question, hey? What do you want? We could spend a whole series around this question that Jesus asks. What do you want? I want to say, sir, what do you want from Jesus? Ma'am, what are you expecting? What do you want? from Jesus. Jesus asked them, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher. Number one, Jesus gets given this title, Rabbi, 
Now, in the Bible times, a rabbi would go to the different schools, would choose the top students from those schools. Top students, grade 12. Top students, grade 7. He would take those and he would teach them. And as I've been reading this again this week, I've been feeling so burdened for specifically grade 12s, specifically grade 7s. I think of some of them in our Freedom family. I think of Matt. I think of Caleb. I think of Tanner. I think of Gemma, some of those students in grade 7. Some of the teachers in our Freedom family. I want us to pray right now. If you're a teacher, just raise your hand. If you're a student, varsity student, just put up your hand. You're watching with your mom and dad. If you know a teacher, if you know a student, let's pray for them. God, very challenging times for our students in our family, for our teachers. God, I ask that you show them the heart of who you are, Father. The Father of comfort, the God of all compassion, be their strength, I pray in Jesus' name at this time, God. Help them to keep their eyes on you, Jesus. We commit them to you. Amen. Anyway, so a rabbi would come, he pick the top students, grade 12, grade 7, and he would teach them what they called the Shema. They would take that rabbi's yoke, and he would tell them to put that yoke, those teachings, upon themselves as, he, as, their, as his students. The problem was, heck, this yoke became very very heavy it was all about rules it was all about regulations it was all about different behavioral patterns big word for me and so we've got this saying in afrikaans i love it that saying in afrikaans it says ons track swar have you heard that ons track swar it comes from the great track where the afrikaners would take those ox wagons up the mountain with the oxen having that yoke Pulling up that ox wagon and the husband would look to his wife and say, On track, swar, going up the mountain. And I know that right now, there are many families at church in our city, but swar track. Jesus, the rabbi, your rabbi says this in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, all who are weary. Come to me all, I'm all what swar track. Take my yoke, he says, upon you. I am your rabbi. I am your teacher. Take my yoke. Jesus is saying, my yoke is light. My yoke is your rabbi, is your teacher, is not heavy. And then Jesus says, I am gentle and humble in heart. And so friends, I pray at this time that you would come under the gentleness and the humility of Jesus, your rabbi. That at this time, as you are tracking swar, as you are pulling heavy, you have to know that the teachings of Jesus is light, not burdensome, gentle, and humble. And I pray that the yoke of Jesus will come upon every single one of us so that we can pull in team with Jesus with the power of the Holy Spirit, and we can take ourselves out of the situation. Amen. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John the Baptist had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. This is incredible, hey friends. The very first thing that Andrew does is he goes and finds his brother 
He goes and finds his putty. Why? Because he loves his brother. Because he wants to tell his brother, but we found the Messiah. Andrew brought his brother Simon Peter to Jesus. Jesus looked at him. The NLT translation says, Jesus looked intently at him. Friends, this is the guy that we've been talking about for who knows how long. A guy who fell all over the place, this guy Peter. He, the guy who thought he could do things in his own strength, that he was the man. Yeah. But as he spent time with Jesus, as he grew closer to Jesus, he learned how to stand fast. Where did it start? Have you ever thought about that? It started here. When his brother, as we say in Benoni, as his brother, who he loves, showed him and told him that they met the Messiah. What about your brother? You're watching today. His name's Justin. What about your brother, Justin? What about your sister, Monique? What about your sister, Kim? What about them? All we have to do is introduce our brothers and sisters to Jesus. And if their hearts are soft, if their hearts are ready, Jesus, the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, our God, through his power, will do something incredible in your brother and your sister's life. Just introduce them to Jesus, the Messiah. I spoke to a man Tuesday morning, takes the day off in our church, takes his brother seven and a half hours away to a rehab center because his brother needs to get free from this addiction. Can that rehab center help him? Yes, but he needs the power of Jesus to come into his brother's life. Just like he experienced Jesus in his life, he too wants his brother to be set free by the power of Jesus from this addiction. What about you? Maybe you're sitting saying, uh, you know what, Daryl, I'll invite my brother or my sister to church when we get back together as a freedom family. Might be a long time away. Life is short, friends. Let me tell you about another man in your church. His brother stays in the Richtersfeld, 1,149 kilometers away from Benoni. And this brother in the Richtersfeld phones me Monday night, half past six. The highlight of my day. Because I'm sitting thinking, God, help me. I've got to come up with another message to preach again to my stupid phone again. How am I going to do this? He phones me. He says, my brother's been sending me the link for the last five weeks. He says, the power of the gospel that's been preached at Freedom Church, the worship that you watch after the service, he says, it's changed my life. He says, don't stop doing it. He says, thank the team for what they're doing at Freedom Church. He says, my marriage has been changed by reading the Bible. He says, my kids, we read the Bible, man in the Richtersfeld, changed by the power of the gospel. Jesus the rabbi, Jesus, the teacher. Verse 41, Andrew. <laughs> you got a brother called Andrew. Jesus loves Andrew. Tell him about, tell him about Jesus. Tell your brother Andrew about Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon Peter, told him, Putty, we found him. Come, we found the Messiah, which means Christ. First name, Rabbi. Second name that Jesus gets given today, the Messiah. The best way to describe the Messiah is fulfillment. 
right the way through the Bible, Old Testament, all the way through to New Testament. It's been prophesied about the Messiah. And Jesus, the mighty, humble man of Jesus, because of the anointing on his life, he fulfills the meaning, the purpose of that word, Messiah. The best way to describe it is full, 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 full. And today I pray that as we rest in God, that as we study the name of Jesus, as we hear about the different names of Jesus, as we interact with the Messiah, as we worship the Messiah, I pray that there will be a full, full that comes upon every single one of us. The world is emptying out. Bank accounts are emptying out. People's dreams are emptying out. People's promises are emptying out. Contracts are emptying out. There's an incredible darkness at this time, friends, an incredible loneliness. And I'm saying that if we hold, lay hold of Jesus, the Messiah, we will come out of this time full, full. My wife went walking this morning. She comes home. She says, I was walking with my head down, listening to something on my earphones. And right in front of me, two ladies from church. Hello, Michelle. Heather and Teresa. Didn't even see them because her head is down. She's walking. Man says to me, Daryl, if you want to ride your mountain bike faster last weekend, he said, you got to look up. Don't look at the rocks here. I thought, wow, maybe God's busy teaching Michelle and I something. Stop looking down. Stop looking down at the rocks. Stop looking down at the path in front of you. Look up to Jesus, the Messiah, who will fill, fill us at this challenging time, friends. Back up with hope. He will fill us back up with life and back up with encouragement. Amen? So Andrew took his brother, Simon, to meet Jesus. Let's see what happens here. Jesus looked at him intently and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas. Which translated means Peter. And I wonder right now if this is not a time where, G, where God is going to start renaming. Start redoing. Start rewiring. Start rebooting certain things at this time. Because when we have encounters with God, friends, He does things. He changes things. He renames things. He changes our lives. Just like He prophesied into Peter's life. Prophesying life and encouragement and change into his life. He starts to call things out of us when we have an encounter with Jesus. Man in your church. You would look at him and say, ah, he's just Richard. He's just a man who manages a pool shop. No, he's a man who God uses to bring life and encouragement into his staff. So that when a customer walks into that pool shop in the middle of winter. He brings the very life and hope of Jesus as he engages with that customer. That man in your church who was called a terrible father-in-law. No, God is busy doing something in his life. He's renaming him as a fantastic dad to his son-in-law. That lady who you know, whose husband left her, she's been labeled as a divorcee. No, God is busy changing you, ma'am. God is busy renaming you as his daughter who he loves and adores. 
That man who's maybe watching today, who was an arrogant businessman at one stage, who used his money to get him out of all sorts of trouble. Maybe God today, sir, is renaming you. He's rechanging you to become a humble, humble son of God. You know what? Maybe God is rechanging and renaming the way church is being done. Because I think for too long, perhaps, it's all been about Sunday and the service. And now, more than ever, it's no longer about the Sunday. It's about what we're doing as God's kids out there in the community. Yeah? Let's carry on reading. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip. He said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. And about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth. Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? The third title that we're going to see Jesus get given today. Jesus of Nazareth. Brent from the Richtersfeld. My mate Neil from Breckpan, bud. Jacques from Ranfield. Twenty van Benwini. Gert from Faramir. Buddy, it's your 40th this weekend. God bless you, bud. Daryl from a little town where I was a lighty, I was a platter, East Vale. Do you know where that is? If you don't, don't worry, you'll never know. John from Boxburg, and Jesus from Nazareth. Nazareth was a place, you know, it, it, it was kind of on the outskirts. No one really took uh, time to go there. No one paid much attention to Nazareth. And Jesus gets these incredible titles. Rabbi, Son of God, Messiah, King. And then he gets labeled with this name, Jesus of Nazareth. I want to tell you today, friends, Jesus is not just high and mighty. Jesus will incarnate in the very ordinariness of our lives, whether it's Breckpan or East Vale or Boxburg. Whether it's your monthly fee for your flat, the ordinariness, the small things. Whether it's the rent for your office space, Jesus will incarnate into the very ordinariness of your life. Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. I pray you come into every home. I pray you come into every heart, every life. Come into the ordinariness, God, through your power, Holy Spirit. You, Jesus, the one of Nazareth. Showing us that you care about the very ordinariness of our lives. Verse 47. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi. He reinstates Jesus with that name, Rabbi. You are the son of God. These incredible names, just half a chapter of the Bible that Jesus gets given. He says this, you, Jesus, you are the king of Israel. Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. From this very average, normal Jesus of Nazareth, he, he gets reinstated here as the king of Israel. Freedom Church, we have to know that Jesus is sovereign. We have to believe and trust that Jesus is our king. And we are just... His subjects. 
but make sure that Jesus stays king over every single area of your life. King of your trust. King of your bank account. King of your marriage. King of your finance. King of your sexuality. Keep him as king in every single area of your life. And I'll close with this last name that Jesus in fact gives himself. Have a look there. Jesus answered, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree, Nathaniel. He says, you, see great, you will see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus gives himself that title. Why? Why does he say, I'm just the Son of Man? Why does he bring the balance? He's the King of Kings. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. And then he says, no, I'm just the Son of Man. Why does he do that? You know why I think he gave himself that title? I'll tell you. Because Jesus was a humble man. Jesus didn't want to be associated with a lavish lifestyle or personality. He was a carpenter's son from Nazareth. And he was teaching consistently on how to serve people. How Jesus himself served people. He came to serve people in order to be the ladder, the stairway that was prophesied in Genesis around Jacob's dream. That's incredible. Go and read that in Genesis 28. And so Freedom Church, I don't know today if this is a preach. I don't know if today is a prayer. I don't know if it's a proclamation. But maybe it's just giving us some handles to hold on to at this time. But the name of Jesus. Jesus the rabbi. He's your teacher. But his yoke is light and it's gentle and it's humble. He's the Messiah. Jesus fools. Fools. Every area of our lives. Jesus of Nazareth, the ordinariness of your life. Jesus the King. Make Jesus the King over every single area of your lives. And Jesus, the Son of Man, who teaches us how to serve. Jesus be with you. Jesus guide you. Jesus guard you. God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.